These are the daily lectionary comments for Monday in the first week of Lent. And uh, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 6, the pervasiveness of sin. And we're going to be introduced to Noah and the ark. And then uh, Mark chapter 3, uh, we have some additional teaching by Jesus regarding the Sabbath. All right, before, before I get to the main point of our reading today, I want to uh, take a quick look at a couple of things that one of them is surely causing some confusion and the other you may not have noticed, but I think it's worth pointing out. First off, uh, these remarks regarding the sons of God and the daughters of men and having children, the sons of God having children with the daughters of men. Um, this, of course, is uh, very mysterious sounding. What on earth does that mean? There are those who claim that this is a, a vestige of an earlier belief that angels uh, essentially mated with uh, human women and produced this race of super beings called the Nephilim. Uh, and that this was, so what we have left here is kind of a, a, a vestigial aspect of that. That is nonsense. Nothing in scripture anywhere that suggests that angels could possibly uh, mate with human women or that that makes any sense whatsoever. And that's not what this is talking about. The, the sons of God are not angels. What we have in, in yesterday's reading, I pointed out that we have, uh, we have the uh, lineage from Adam traced seven generations through Cain leading all the way to Lamech, and then it, it quits. And then uh, we had just the beginning of what would be seven um, uh, generations from Adam through Seth that will end with Enoch, who walked with God. Okay, so in other words, we have these two lines, the one that went through Cain and the one that went through, through Seth, the one being essentially reprobate and the other one being, you, you might say, the, the chosen line, the one through Seth that ends in Enoch. Those are the sons of God. In other words, those are the ones who God has chosen and are remaining uh, more or less faithful to him. But what's, what's, what it's saying is that those from the, the line of Seth who were uh, more faithful to God in some fashion, I mean, we just don't know the details of this, but somehow or another, that group was, was uh, more faithful to God, were intermarrying with the, uh, those who were not. Uh, and in, so in other words, the faithfulness to God and the knowledge of God was becoming diluted. So that's what really this is getting at. Um, uh, and not anything about angels coming down to earth and, and mating with human women and having children. That, that is a, a nonsensical thing, uh, biblically speaking. Okay, so let's set that aside. I can't say much more about it because, frankly, we don't know any more about that. But that would be a consistent explanation for this that actually makes sense with the text that we have and uh, in, in, uh, everything leading up to this. Now, the other thing that I would point out is that Noah was instructed to bring seven uh, clean animals uh, onto, the, uh, onto the ark. Now, um, so there's a distinction then between clean and unclean animals. Well, this is long before the law of Moses. And I just wanna point out that the law of Moses in, in that uh, establishing sacrificial rites or establishing clean and unclean animals and deciding uh, and delineating what those were um, seems to have been building upon uh, uh, cultural standards that had existed long before. In other words, the impulse to offer sacrifices 
predated uh, uh, Moses, uh, but Moses regulated it, what sorts of sacrifices and for what purpose they were to be offered. Also, the distinction between clean and unclean animals seems to have been a cultural standard from long before the time of Moses. Uh, and, and Moses, again, uh, 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 sort of regulated that and, and established it. So, so that's uh, those two things. Now, here's the main point of our passage here. First, we have the general pervasiveness of wickedness and sin, that the heart of man is only evil all the time, uh, and that God is sorry that he made man. Now, uh, so that's the first thing that we, we see here, um, that the sin that began with Adam and Eve, and then uh, we see its effect with Cain and Abel. But now we've gone down many generations, and we see that the, the entire human race has become, as it were, contaminated and corrupted by sin, not, not just a little bit, but a lot. So sin is gaining dominion over human beings. And, and that's what this beginning of chapter six is telling us. And that God is sorry that he made man. Now, when it says something like sorry, or God regretted this or that, you have to understand that these are anthropomorphisms. We're talking about God using human feelings and human emotions. But we need to understand that God is not a human being. And so he doesn't, it doesn't mean really what, what, what it would in a human being. But somehow or another, there's this aspect that God is grieved by the fact of what is happening to the, the, uh, the males and females that were created in his image and were to live with him, that things have really gone, gone south uh, in God's earth. God determines to wipe them out. But we see that God's wrath is tempered by his grace. And here uh, it says Noah found favor with God. Now, there's several instances in the, uh, the story of the flood where uh, it, it says something along those lines, that God remembered Noah or, 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 or something like, or Noah found favor with God. This is the grace of God. God selected Noah and his family. Um, to be, to, to use words that will be used by the prophets later on, a remnant. He is not going to wipe out all humanity as it turns out. That's what it sounded like he was going to do. That's certainly what it sounds like humanity deserved. But what God instead was going to do was wipe them out, but save a remnant and rebuild from there. And so the story of Noah and the ark is a story of wrath and destruction that certainly is looking forward to the, the final um, judgment on all the world, but it is also a story of God's grace in that he doesn't wipe everybody out, actually. And Noah is not saved just for Noah's sake, but Noah is spared and his family is spared for the sake of all who would come after him, and that includes you and me. So. God's mercy is is shining through, even in the midst of his, uh, even in the midst of his wrath. So uh, that's enough for today. We'll talk more about the meaning of this flood tomorrow. Okay, here in Mark chapter three, we have some contrasts developed, some further discussion regarding the Sabbath day. So Jesus is in a synagogue, and it's on the Sabbath day. And he sees a man with a withered hand. 
And he knows that the Pharisees are watching him very carefully to see whether he will dare to heal this man on the Sabbath day, because to heal would be uh, work. It seems as though Jesus is intentionally picking fights. In other words, he could have healed this man at some other time, in some other place, but he chooses the synagogue and the Sabbath day to do it in a quite public way, knowing full well that this will draw the ire of the Pharisees, which it does. And Jesus uses this as an opportunity for further teaching. And he says, uh, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. Among the Jewish teachers, it was certainly lawful on the Sabbath day to do good and to save life. Okay? Nobody would say that you would just let somebody die rather than coming to their aid because it happens to be the Sabbath day. And so they died before, you know, uh, the Sabbath day was over. No, no faithful Jew would say that that would be an honoring of the Sabbath day. So Jesus makes this obvious point that you have made the Sabbath day and the regulations regarding a Sabbath day to completely overshadow something greater like the mercy of God. And the command of God to do good for one another and to help and to save and so on. So right in their face, Jesus does uh, this miracle and uh, the man is healed, demonstrating again that Jesus is Lord and has authority over the Sabbath and by implication over all of the law of Moses. Now, here we get the contrasts. We have Jesus who is healing this man. <clears throat> demonstrating the mercy and compassion of God. And then we have the Pharisees who observe this very same thing, the, the compassion of God, but they set about to destroy Jesus. So we have the sharp uh, contrast between Jesus' uh, view of our obligations to one another and to God, and then the Pharisees who, wanting to honor the letter of the law of the Sabbath, are nevertheless... Um, going to try to destroy Jesus because he healed somebody. He did an act of compassion on the, on the uh, Sabbath day. So the contrast is pretty stark, and the contrast goes on, because then what it says is that crowds of people began to gather uh, and to come to Jesus. Although he had withdrawn, uh, the people were finding him wherever he was. He had withdrawn to the sea. He is going to need a boat because he knows that such a great crowd is going to gather that he needs to be able to get into a boat and sort of set off from the shore a little bit. Otherwise, he'll be completely inundated by people. And, uh, and it says it'll be crushed by them, not literally, but, but it'll be impossible to teach under those circumstances. So here we have another contrast. And so we have the Pharisees who are wanting to destroy Jesus. And then we have the crowds of people who are the recipients of God's compassion, so many of them that Jesus is healing them, uh, so many of them that, that Jesus needs relief by a boat in order to set out. And so they are flocking to the God of compassion while the Pharisees are plotting behind the scenes in order to, to, uh, to stop Jesus. So, so we have these, uh, Jesus and his compassion, the crowds responding to the compassion, the Pharisees who are pictured as not so much lacking all compassion of any sort, but having gotten completely uh, out of balance uh, with the law of God, focusing on certain things to the exclusion of greater things. They're focusing on the details of keeping the Sabbath and ignoring the weightier things of mercy 
and and compassion. So that's our that's our reading for today.